had a good show yesterday, enjoyed at least being together yesterday and talking about it. These are heavier in nature in terms of the, the things that I usually wear. Are these yours that you're loaning to me? Because it's a um, pair I've never put on my head before that I'm about to. I Could don't they? remember where they came from, okay. to no. be honest with you. you. You understand how you do everything sort of by feel and you get used to a routine. And you handed me a pair of headphones to plug into the amp here. and But just by weight, the, the question in Jurassic Park, are they heavy? Yes. <laughs> Then they're expensive. Put them down. The the guy who ends up getting consumed while sitting on the on the toilet, which breaks down. I don't know. You got to go. You got to go. <laughs> Jurassic Park. Jeff Goldblum, the original. Anyway, are they heavy? Well, these must be expensive because they're heavy. Thank you, Paige. That's a heavy set of notes she brings us in that she just printed. Thank you, Paige. Paige so everything kind of is heavy. So everything is heavy. This heavy thing, this thing with Christopher Lloyd, heavy. Once again, we're talking about weight, back to the future. Everything's heavy. Good morning, John. Good to uh -huh. see you. Line it is a movie. funny line. Yeah, they have you put them down. What's with the? Uh, <laughs> is there something wrong with the Earth's gravitational pull in the future? <laughs> Who's vice president? Jerry Lewis. That's <laughs> yeah. my favorite line of the film. It's good to see you, John. Hello, Michael. And it was great to have you in Las Vegas, as oh, it was. That was so fun. Jim Wilson and Jim will join us at eleven thirty to kind of sum it up. And look to the future. Speaking of back to the future, we're going to look to the future and go forward. Jimmy and I had a lot of great laughs. You yes. had some. He's a good man, isn't he? Isn't he so fun to work we, with? We were roommates. We had fun after games, watching TV and making fun of things. Who's <laughs> <laughs> vice president? Jerry Lewis. My favorite line of the the whole film, the whole sequence. And I've never seen any of the sequels, so I've only seen the three's, original. Three's good. Is Two's it? Okay. Is, is a waste of time. Okay. Good morning, John. Just now, like two is the best of the Godfathers, which you won't see. He refused to watch two. <laughs> I've seen almost all of two. Two is the one where he, he is the senator, uh, E.G. Spradling or whatever his yeah. name is. G.D. Spradling. G. But the best character in two <laughs> is Hyman Roth, played by, I think, Lee Strasberg, I believe. is. The... So you've seen where they go back and, and it's uh -huh, the yeah. new... Um, yes. Was that the debut of... The De Niro, what De Niro? do you mean? No, not his debut, debut film. Yeah. No, no. He had, he, had, he had done some other things, but it was a breakthrough was, he role. He was very young, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the old uh, old Italy scenes and him coming over yeah. as a kid. Was really, really well done. Genius. He, he had done, De Niro had done before that, Bang the Drum Slowly, a baseball movie. Oh, I tried watching that. It was awful. He, <laughs> I don't know if it's awful. That's pretty strong. Yeah. That's pretty strong. It's not great. There we go. There we go. But yeah, I'm not yeah. sure that it's awful. Uh, I know. I know. <laughs> Baseball. <laughs> I knew that. Would the get novel's a, good. Get a laugh. The novel's good, Mark Harris. But mm, yeah, it's I, not a tremendous baseball film. But there are sweet moments. I was in hoping it. there are good it was moments be in better. it. I know it should have been better. With the cast, yeah. but a young De Niro, Michael Moriarty, Vincent yeah. Gardini as the manager, kind of a timeless sort of type character. Should have been better. Yeah. Good material to work with, the source <laughs> material from Mark Harris, but just not so great. <laughs> the Vegas Bowl was great. Jim Wilson will join us at 1130. We had a few, uh, 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 what do you call it, adventures. One night we went across to go to CVS because you could get water for a buck and a half instead, instead of, of five or six five or six mm -hmm. when i first flew in 
all day of of uh, traveling, as we all know, and others had worse. I've I heard fifteen hour days for yeah. some. So I'm really tired and hungry and thirsty and everything. And I get into the hotel, and you know, hotels are more expensive. You know that. Mm-hmm. And I bought two water bottles and a little and a bag of beef jerky, teriyaki beef jerky. Yes. Little bag, maybe I don't know, seven or eight pieces. In the, and I know done. that. I know that bag. Yeah. Twenty eight dollars. <laughs> I had got. I to tried the, to give you a warning I on the Joe Beaver show. I got to the point show. of pulling my wallet out, my card. I'm standing there. There's people behind me. I'm. 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 I, I was like, yeah. On principle, you want to just stop without, and say, yes. No, I can't do it. I did do that. But I for, paid and went. Right. I paid and went, and then felt violated. There was a certain plate where I did stop and say, nope, I can't. You know, it's a little bit like Seinfeld with Hernandez and there's a, there's stairs moving a piano up the <laughs> stairs. Yeah, yeah. And Seinfeld throws his hands. I'm out. Yeah. I, I can't yeah, do it yeah. anymore. And thus lo- forfeited the friendship with the great Keith Hernandez. <laughs> but I'm out. There was a moment where I put a, a thing of milk down. Yeah. And I, 9.99 for, you know, and I just said, no, I, I'm not doing that. And then. <laughs> Went out and went across to CVS to get yeah, the yeah. cheaper milk, but I'm not paying $9.99 <laughs> for this ridiculous little well, thing of milk. Here's how. Here's how. Here's the weirdness of our thought process. I had some cash in me and like seventy bucks, and I went. You, the three of us, went to get breakfast. Yes, and when we, we did. Came back. We parted ways. We did. Well, that was you, a good breakfast, though. It was a great breakfast. Yeah. You didn't keep an eye on me, and as we parted ways, I stopped at the three card poker table. And it was 15 minimum, and I dropped. I, I had four hands, lost all the money. You mean before we left that breakfast place? After no, after oh. we got back to the Virgin okay. Hotel, the team yeah. hotel okay. where we were staying. I, I the, the siren call, and I went and sat down. <laughs> and trust me, I have I, I do not have an addictive personality right. at all, and I can do all that stuff and stop. Except for the the better part of the story may lean toward you need to be careful. <laughs> so I thought, okay, I'll do one. I'll get some money out one more time to play me and be a little more. But I didn't do that right away. I did it the next day. And you had warned me about this. And I, I went to an ATM machine. Oh, yeah, And yeah, it was yeah. $9. $9 on the fee. Mm-hmm. I've never seen anything yeah. like that. The highest I've seen is maybe 4 and it's it was nine dollars, and I yeah, I, I should have no, pulled no, no yeah, and you pulled you did the Seinfeld the it hands go in the air. Favor it stopped me from taking money out that right. I would eventually lost anyway. But the 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 funny thing is, I'm willing to lose a hundred bucks, but I don't want to pay nine dollars. No, <laughs> no, I, there are certain principles, there are certain things you just can't do. Yeah, John, it was uh, yesterday we spent a good deal of time talking about the show and I uh, the game. Yeah, and I realized that. A lot of people have come back from the trip, perhaps today. So we will keep the conversation going. It's still one of those seasons and the game itself and all of those things. We hope you'll join us on the Joe Beaver Show, either on the Downward Dog phone line or the University Honda text line in our open phone opportunities uh, in the next uh, hour, 45 minutes. Jimmy Wilson at 1130-ish. Eldridge Rakasner. who will be calling? He's had a busy week in our state. Eldridge, the former three-time All-Pac-10 guard, he had some battles with Gary Payton. They were contemporaries in the league for four years, battled one another, played each other nine times, and according to 
the research I did on Eldridge, who will join us at 12.05. He's got tomorrow's call with Rich Burke on the uh, Pac-12 network. He will be uh, calling the Beavers in the Denver basketball game tomorrow night. I saw Eldridge this morning. We visited, and as is our want, our style, I waylaid him. Yeah, it's just you're, <laughs> you approach me, you're done. Know that. You're, oh, I'm going to go talk to – you're going to talk to Mike Parker? Uh-oh. Uh, That's what I did with uh, Laura Rutledge when we had her on the air. No, you waylaid her on the air I on the Joe Beaver show. She, I knew we would cross paths, and there was – Yeah. I'm like, hey, can you come on with us? So I waylaid Eldridge. He'll join us at 12.05 today on the Joe Beaver show. Jimmy Wilson at 11.30. Great to be with you, John, to talk about your experience of the game. I thought, again, stepping into a role, I mean, you're a professional, so you can do just about anything that's asked in this in the broadcast business. But you were smooth and informed on oh, the pre and the post and the sideline reporting, spot on, excellent stuff we needed. The conversations on field with Laura, with Scott Barnes, the halftime interview, all of those things. How did you enjoy yourself, not only in Vegas, but just the broadcast itself? I I loved it. I loved it. I think that was the third or fourth time that I've done sideline over the course of being here. Once Ron was in the booth, you were out because of the loss of your father. Um, Another time was uh, a rivalry game in Eugene three years ago. This one and Mm -hmm. maybe one other time. So I had done it before. The nervous comes from not knowing what the format is because everybody gets along so well, Ron and Jim, and they know what they want. Sure. So rooming with Jim was great. We spent an hour one time. Okay, here, you do this here, mm-hmm. da, 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 da. no problem. Then the last nervousness was, how do I get around the building? And okay, figured that one out. Um, and they on the field was great. Um, I will say when you do that job, I, don't, I have to ask Ron about this. I watched basically 95% of that game on the big screen. Because I'm not tall, I can't see over anything. And if I could see through things, because there was a couple of times when I would be on the same yard line as where the action was with nobody in front of me, then I would watch. But I watched almost all of it on the big Mm -hmm. screen, which is fine. That's part of the job. Um, I was nervous. I wasn't nervous about getting you the information that you needed as I was in previous games that I've done in, in the last one three years ago, because I just thought, I don't care. I just want to have fun. Yeah. I don't want to be nervous anymore. I don't want to worry, am I going to get this wrong or right? I just want to have fun. And it worked out. Sean Scheffler helped me get some information about Damian Martinez right away. Right. Even ESPN didn't have that. So mm-hmm. they asked me mm-hmm. and I told them. Um, mm-hmm. Laura and her handler were kind of hanging around me. We were, we were around yeah. each other a lot talking. And she said, hey, let me know if you find anything. I was like, yeah, you too. She goes, yeah, I will. Okay. That's cool. So that cool. was great. That's cool. Um, the when the three players it was three was it three players <laughs> dashed off dashed off uh don't i never really got a reason why it could have been for a bathroom break it could i have. don't know because one one i saw on a telecast running down the yeah. corridor he didn't look hurt no no and uh and he was playing they were all three playing a big role in the game mm-hmm. anyway they came back and that was fine um what was oh Going out to the only thing there's there's two things I don't really like about sideline reporting and I don't think anybody does on the second one I'm about to mention the first one though is the floor, the coin toss I do not like to be somewhere where you're normally not supposed I to understand. be with twenty nine thousand eyes on you and that is midfield for right. the coin toss and I I don't know if you heard it but I made the comment I felt like Forrest Gump. 
being out there. Yes. Like you're holding the microphone out, but you're not really supposed to be there. And Ron <laughs> says, no, nah, you go, all, you know, Ron goes out there all the time. So I'm out there. Showgirls are, are bringing in the guest coin flipper who, through all of that, I didn't even know who it was. Mm-hmm. And then I'm standing behind right there. And I'm f- standing in front of the photogs and the videographers, and no one told me to get out of the way. But I got my microphone. I know you did. And in a sense, these days, and I'm glad you were out there, John. It was nice. It was a good visual. We're going to go to Dave in a moment and have open phones the rest of the way. With the PA feed and mic. I got that. I got that. Because I can hear it in my ears. We don't, in a sense, with the mic, the the white hat's mic'd up. And so the whole process, it used to be you needed to put a microphone in front of the white hat to get the information about the coin and the flip and Jim and I have been amused over the years by the white hat uh, with the leading questions. You guys want the ball, right? Yeah, after you know, the, <laughs> yeah. we, because one time the Beavers deferred and made the wrong choice. Yeah, yeah. Now, <laughs> ended up was, not getting the ball in either half. And Ron did tell me, and I, I I heeded this advice. He he told me about that, but he said try to get the player because they're not mic'd up and right. you probably you can hear them but not as well so I did that I went yeah. to the from the left side to the right side and quickly you did. put it there so it. that you could hear the player saying what they wanted what they wanted unlike Richard Siegler who once yeah <laughs> remember his yeah, memorable yeah, deal yeah, when that word. shut down that shut down Sideline reporters going out to midfield for a while. It's funny how things uh, don't go out there anymore. Don't go out there anymore. After Richard Siegler said, (laughs) we want the so-and-so ball. (laughs) So so we were shut down (laughs) for a couple of years. And then eventually we just sort of looked. Yeah. There's been nothing written about this. Wander out there. Yeah. And nobody told you to go away. The other thing that was, that's hard to do. And I don't, I don't like to do it. Because I don't think they like to do it as coaching interview. Now you did a great job with yours, John. That was one of the better exit interviews because you got right to the heart of the matter and you asked the important question that Laura Rutledge had also asked, but and got plaudits from Pat McAfee and Herbie. Mm-hmm. Whenever it is, I, I think it was during the game, much earlier than you had talked. It was during the game when mm-hmm. that whole quarterback was uh, shifting was taking place from Ben to Tristan and back in Jonathan said, we'll go back to Ben in the second half. That line of questioning was absolutely spot on. And McAfee and Kirk both gave Laura plaudits for her line of questions with Jonathan there. But you had the same stuff when you got him unbeknownst to you that she had asked the same stuff and gotten McAfee's plaudits. So you, I mean, I thought your exit interview was in Usually it's a very obligatory, well, we got a lot of football left, we just got to yeah, play yeah, hard yeah, and, yeah. and goodbye. Yeah. But you got to some important information well, there. Well, there were two things. I knew I didn't want to go more than two questions because mm-hmm. they hate it. Get him, get him in, get him mm-hmm. out. And there were two obvious questions. Nobody was scoring. It was a puncher's yes. deal. Yes, it so was. So were you expecting that? Because we were expecting a lot of offense. Secondly, I knew it was a platoon-type setup. Right. But I also thought, well, even though they planned on that, did they see what they wanted to see? Right. And who's going to go? And so what's the plan now? You, you yeah. had to ask. You did. It and, was a question you had to ask. And it was well done. And that one was set up. It wasn't, I had, didn't have to run side by side, which I did at this, the uh, rivalry game three years ago. I chased him up the tunnel. <laughs> this one was set up. We'll meet yeah. him right here. Some network radio guy got him Yeah, first. I caught that. I the saw that. The guy was about seven feet tall, too. <laughs> and then I got him, and then that was the end of that. 
So lots of fun. And then being on the field at the end during the celebration was fun. Yeah. I could hear you talking about his Chatfield. Chatfield. Andrew Chatfield. Well, he happened to be right there, but with his buddies from yeah. Florida. I saw that you were in the neighborhood, and that's why. Yeah, and yeah. You, you read me without even having to say anything. Yeah. And then I, I when I heard you say, well, John Warren might get him, I'm like, well, yeah. I the, knew you could because of, you yeah. were in the neighborhood. Chatfield was... Taking photographs with former teammates. I could, Florida wasn't too crushed, let's say. They weren't. Well, no, I don't know what their not, expectations not were, but they were friends with Andrew. And there they are in a few minutes after the 30 to 3 beatdown, smiling in their photographs with their former teammates. And one teammate. last point before we go to Dave. Yeah. I wanted to make this point, but there wasn't really enough time. I don't know if you can follow me. There's been two times in my broadcast life where a friend said, I heard you say that, and I think I'm the only one who got that. (laughs) One, when I was filling in doing a Blazer broadcast, pre, half, post, all that stuff you used to do too. And it was against the 76ers. And in my opening statement to open the whole show, I said, whenever Portland and Philadelphia get together, it's special. Mm -hmm. Well, you got to be 50 years old to know what that means. Or at least know the history. Right. And my my friend Jamie was listening, said, "I, I, I caught that. I caught that. That was from our childhood. And this one was, you know, you can be, we see players, we see ASU, we see all the Pac 12 schools, even non conference games you see, and you're close up front. We know these guys, blah, 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 blah. But there's something to being on the field. Right next to a guy wearing a Florida Gator helmet. Yeah, you said that. I like it. And there's something mm-hmm. special it, about the bigness the, that's the, right. of it all. And that's what made the win special. Yes. I don't care what their record is or what their motivation exactly. or how many defections or how many portal people and all that. Yeah. It's Florida, and you beat them by 27. And you're not on TV. You're right there next yeah. to them. No, it's cool, Johnny. Let's go to Dave, and I'm hoping Dave will recount. He said he ran into Jimmy Wilson at the airport. We're yeah. going to talk to Jimmy himself. Were you there, too, John? When no, you had but the, okay. I saw that text. So let's go to Dave, who can give us a bit of a prelude to our conversation with Big Jim coming up in a few minutes. Dave, good morning. Uh, thanks for uh, getting me on, guys. And first, uh, John, let me express uh, my condolences on uh, your father-in-law's uh, you. passing. He was a classmate of mine, also dearly departed uh, uh, brother-in-law. And your mother-in-law was very friendly and kind to my wife when, when she was a senior. My wife was a freshman. So uh, my sympathies. And Art had a great run, not in the least respect, because he produced such a marvelous daughter that we all know as uh, Kim Warren. So yesterday, John, and as you would know, Mike, uh, there were two themes that seemed to me that kind of were the recurring background subtext of the calls. Oregon State's um, good, positive culture, uh, 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 a part of which was a commitment to accountability, including difficult coaching decisions, difficult personnel decisions, and... um, I think it might be worth just mentioning in brief before I get to my conversation with Jim Wilson uh, that uh, we all, and that's commonly recognized Jonathan's uh, legacy with Mike Riley and Dennis Erickson, but you just have to think that his long association with Chris Peterson might be the ultimate difference maker in, in terms of his formation uh, as a, as a, as, a, as a, obviously a good coach. Mm-hmm. So I just wanted to. Uh, get that recognition out there. I just wanted to speak briefly about the bowl experience. I thought this, the stadium location is easy to find. It's visible. 
uh, I thought suitable parking for the size of crowd that we had. The views from the stadium out onto Luxor, if that yes. that's what the big pyramid is. Uh, the strip generally is great. We, Dominic, my son, and I have been told that SeaTac at three thirty in the morning of the game, we ran into a Raider fan who said, Be, "Expect a." a it's a great stadium. The sight lines are great, which is indeed the case, even from the uh, third deck where we were in. He said, but the sound system is terrible, which proved to be true. But that's my segue to Jim Wilson, because given your experience and and and, uh, and uh, Jim's last year at SoFi, maybe having a lousy sound system <laughs> is actually a blessing. Because in my chat with Jim Wilson, I saw him at the airport. I introduced myself as Dave from Tomwater. <laughs> and to Jim's credit, I mean, it's not uncommon for some, oh, yeah, hi, and then just kind of move on. But Jim kind of lingered there. We had a nice conversation. Uh, he introduced me to Barry Spiegelberg, who's a wonderful man. Oh, and my he gosh. Remembered, he yeah. remembered my son's name after only one telling. We had a great conversation. But Jim said, that last year in Los Angeles, I think he said it got a double migraine yep. from the noise. Yep. It was just so awful. So lastly, and, may, and I, 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 I have a quick thought. There's time. Maybe you can talk about this with Jim. The Las Vegas Bowl, guys, has tremendous upside potential for the conference. Uh, it, we, ought to, we ought to work. The conference ought to work, maybe in partnership with whatever our new network is. And by the way, there's a rumor about maybe getting – some CBS action mm-hmm. late mm-hmm. in the day, maybe mm-hmm. at four thirty Pacific time, uh, or or after their uh, their Big Ten game. Uh, but we ought to be we ought to work on getting the Las Vegas Bowl to be the second bowl game in the Pac Ten of whatever it is yeah. lineup uh, because it's the closest bowl game to most of the schools. It's a, it's the travel to and from is relatively easy. The Alamo Bowl is a long way away. Mm-hmm. I would never go. San Antonio is nice, but yeah. I'd never go there again. Probably the same with El Paso. We need to elevate the law. Maybe now Las Vegas fills up around New Year's, so you're never going to get December 30th, December mm-hmm. 31. Maybe mm-hmm. for the total championship, it's an option. But maybe Monday or Tuesday or whatever it might be. This year would be Monday, Tuesday after Christmas. What I'm saying is. Uh, the second or third day after Christmas, a uh, b- bigger TV package, maybe with CBS or Fox. Anyway, that was a line of t- conversation I had with Jim and Barry. It was great fun to see them in the airport. I appreciate the fact that uh, just you know, a regular fan might be a frequent caller to the show, but they're both, they're both very generous for their time. And, I, John, I also saw Tyler, <laughs> who comes to does the um, – the uh, uh, Phil, um, uh, the guy, the, the guy that Phil Steele, Phil Steele report. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I also <laughs> ran into Tyler. He's a good he was kid. Kind of surprised. Yeah, I said, hey, I said, hey, Tyler. He was kind of surprised that somebody recognized him. <laughs> but Tyler's a star in his own way. Anyway, John, a lot of um, again, my sympathies to you and Thanks, Tim. Dave. Thanks for taking my call to both of you. I'll listen to the rest of the show with interest. Thank you very much, Dave. We'll take a break on that note. These heavy headphones are nice, by the way. Uh, very nice. I talked to the, uh, we had the Thank you. director of Paul the, Horning, the bowl game on. Oh, okay. The, the week leading up. Mm-hmm. And he said that uh, he's very touchy about the date of the bowl game. He used the word crap when he said it. That's a bunch of bull crap. 
watch on, a bunch on the of idea crap. on the idea that anything before Christmas is not a good bowl. Oh game. yeah, he said last year, whenever it was, I can't even remember. They tried a post Christmas one. He said in Vegas they don't need it because as you get closer mm-hmm. to New Year's, all the hotels are filling yeah. up. Yeah, and he said. Uh, they just didn't need it in the early time. Now, the 17th is kind of early, but he said they'll probably never go back to Okay, yeah, the, the first time the Beavers played in it, Christmas Eve. Yeah, that was rough. Of 2003 uh, with Stephen Jackson. With yeah. <coughs> Excuse me. That one was rough. Let's take a break. Speaking of rough, I don't know, something just went down the wrong pipe. Hmm. We will take a quick break, come back with Big Jim Wilson, who was absolutely right. We both, ha- I don't get headaches <clears throat> often for any reason. I'm grateful for that. But I had one after the L.A. Bowl last year. I mean, just my head was aching yeah. from the from the constant loud noise. So if people were talking about the sound system not so great, may there be more systems like that yeah. going forward. I, it was everything about the Vegas Bowl from that. The fans, the experience, 50, you were the first to say, Mike, there's 15,000 here. I, and I know we yeah. had been an estimate of 7 to 10 maybe, and you said, no, I think 15 sounds about right. We'll talk to Jim about all of these things, and we hope to hear from you on the text line, the phone line, and open phones as we have opportunity. Where does this game and season, we're starting to get that question, where does it rank in your experience of a season as a Beaver fan? 1240 Joe Radio. The Joe Bieber Show continues. Eldridge Rakasner will join us at 12.05. We'll shift gears and talk a little Beaver hoops. Eldridge had last week's Oregon-Portland game, the Beaver-Seattle U game, then another Oregon game, then the Beavers game against Green Bay. He's got Oregon-Utah Valley tonight in Eugene, and he has the Beavers and Denver tomorrow at Gill. So he told me he's just been, his mom's traveling with him on the trip out of Bellevue. And they've had a great time during this holiday season, just kind of setting up shop in the Beaver State, going back and forth between Eugene and Corvallis. I saw him in Corvallis this morning and uh, waylaid him. And he'll join us at 12.05. So looking forward to that conversation, but always a pleasure to visit with our broadcast partner, OSU Hall of Famer, Big Jim Wilson, this won't be the last time we'll talk about the 2022 campaign or even signing day and the signing early signing period beginning tomorrow, the transfer portal, etc. But it's always a pleasure, no matter what time of year it is, to talk to Big Jim Wilson. Jim, it's only been a couple of days. I'm getting questions, perhaps you are too, people trying to sum up and talk about the season that we just had the pleasure of calling for the Beavers what are your thoughts now? A couple of days removed from what you saw in Las Vegas, contemplating the Beavers finishing ten and three, and just yeah, I guess just your overall thoughts about that, what the season was like, and is it is it a sign of a program? The ESPN people sure seem to think it was of a program with a lot of momentum and on the rise. What are your thoughts? Well, uh, I got a lot of them, uh, Mike. It was it was a really it was a fun season and it was a feel good season. And at the end, you look back, and I think we talked in the post game show in uh, Las Vegas about that it wasn't always pretty. And uh, I think maybe some of that comes with the fact that the Beavers have transitioned to a, basically more of a defensive team. And, uh, and it, it wasn't 
there was tough times along the way, but in the end, this team just always figured out a way to get it done. And uh, I think that's the thing that just stuck with me is, is there, you know, there, the word culture is just being really thrown around, but we've been talking about it for, for five years, basically. And, um, it was just the leadership and just the, the the way that the Beavers did it. It's just it was really a fun season to watch. Jim, uh, yesterday, or I was told, we just talked to Dave from Tumwater, who introduced himself to you. He's a frequent caller to the show, and in fact, he was just on a few minutes ago. He called us yesterday, and I don't think this is necessarily hyperbole. What he said, you and I've certainly talked about it often. He feels that perhaps as big of a moment in the Jonathan Smith era was one last year when Jonathan said, we need to do something else at the defensive coordinator position and installed Trent Bray as the interim and then took that interim tag off prior to the L.A. Bowl. And, I, you know, Tim Tibisar was a, a good technician, teacher, good coach, all of that. We, I liked him a lot. But I'm just wondering, Jimmy, your thoughts about that statement from Dave. And even if you don't want to go there per se, what about the job? that Trent has done when you, it's amazing to hear you say, well, more of a defensive oriented team. That's an amazing transformation based on what we saw together over the last, uh, the previous years. Uh, What he's done is nothing short of, of miraculous in terms of the, the turnaround. And we saw it literally in one week. I mean, the Beavers lost at Colorado, gave up too many points, too many first downs and all that. They lost the week before at California. They gave up too many points, too many first downs, too many third down conversions. And then the next game, I think it might have been Stanford, and the Beavers completely throttled Stanford, held them to 200 some yards. Oh, but that's just Stanford. You know, they're not, they're kind of down and they're sort of confused. Okay, I get it. All right. Arizona State comes to town, averaging close to 500 yards a game and 30 plus points. And the Beavers completely throttled them, and it, that's when you said, "No, it, it's it, the guy makes a difference." And uh, this year just was just a whole year of of the Beavers playing really good defense, and it, it, it's pretty much the same players. But that's oh, that's kind of also a good thing. I mean, they were returning guys, so they are, they are experienced. But basically, with the same group, they played the kind of defense they did. The biggest single thing. If I had to point to any one thing, and just in terms of what I saw on the field, uh, well, two things. One, the Beavers were aggressive. I mean, they came and they not they didn't sit back. They came to play. They came at you, and they tackled. Boy, did they tackle! The best tackling team uh, that the Beavers have had in quite some time. Which is saying a lot, Jim, because there have been years when that was an issue, and clearly that's been cleaned up. I wanted to ask you, what do you think about all the young guys that got playing time because of injury or just getting in there with you know the, the score being spread out? They look pretty good. They really contributed. Hey, all year, really. I mean, you, you talk about Musgrave, the Beavers really had him for, what, a game? And there are two, and then and then so we saw Velling and Donna Overman and uh, uh, Skylar Thomas and Easton Mascarenas and just all these different young guys got opportunities uh, to play. And 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 the the whole everybody you go to any football program in the country and they're going to have some sort of next man up mantra. Everybody's got it. It it makes sense. I get it. But it's just words unless it matters, unless it's real, and unless you believe it. 
And that's where I was talking about this leadership. And all the Beavers believed it. I, I think it was on one of our post-game shows, I think it might have been Kyrie Fisher-Morris. And somebody asked him uh, about, you know, the next man up because somebody had stepped up. And, and or, or maybe it was Jaden Grant. He said, look, the, the, the people that play, the starters, they set the standard. The whole thing is about this. There's a standard. I don't care if you, you're it's your first start or your your thirty third start. There's a standard. It doesn't matter. You got to get out there and you got to get it done. And that's that's what we saw. And it was it was tremendous. Jim Wilson joining us here on the Joe Beaver Show. One other thing about this year's, well, not just this year's team, but Jonathan Smith and his leadership. I've noticed, and, and you know, not to be too hypey and too oh, the greatest things and all that. But I've noticed that with everything with NIL and Portal is, you know, some say Wild Wild West. It really is. There's chaos or the land. (laughs) And some of it good. You hear big names going like the Notre Dame quarterbacks now going to, uh, is it, uh, where did I see that? Anyway, Notre Dame's coming over here. Anyway, okay, so, but through all of that. While, like you mentioned, and I would have uh, seconded in that Oregon State flew under the radar this year all the way to the very end. I mean, a couple of weeks they should have been in the top 25, and they weren't, so on and so forth. But in all of the chaos, there hasn't been a lot of defections, none really, hardly, or even, or even you know bringing people in, which we may hear about, with the program. In other words, it's very steady while other teams are losing players and gaining players left and right. Wouldn't you agree? I would, and sometimes you, you look at. There's going to be there's going to be people leaving. There's mm-hmm. no question. I think Jonathan Riley put his name in. I expect a few more guys, but you always kind of raise your eyebrow, like who's leaving? Is it like are the Beavers or the players that aren't playing leaving, and then the the Beavers signed then guys that were playing and are upgrading or just looking for a good fit. And there's all different kinds of people leaving it and coming and going. Uh, and you look around, I don't know that the Beavers have lost a ton of guys that they thought, ouch, you know, we, we you know, that didn't see that one coming. Uh, that hurts. Mm-hmm. They, they really haven't. In fact, you know, I'm crossing my fingers, obviously, but I don't, I don't see that happening. I, what I see is guys that have not had the opportunity to play and they want a chance to play. And I think for that reason, the portal's great. I think that part of the portal is awesome. Uh, what I don't like is when the portal's being used in conjunction with the NIL to become free agency. Right. And, right. Um, but, yeah, I think the Beavers, the, the reason they stay is because they, they're winning, A. They're part of something that's trending up. It's so fun to get on a boat that's rising, and, and do, you know, as opposed to joining an established program. Uh, they're, they're helping create this, this, uh, this thing. And uh, they're happy. They, they, they like what they see. They're being treated w- with respect, their teammates, and all those things. So I, I think part of it's, uh, you know, the Beavers are keeping their guys because the guys are happy, and, uh, and they're going to sign guys that they think can help. Big Jim Wilson joining us on the Joe Beaver Show. Jaden Grant, and I, I still haven't found the exact source of where and to whom he said it or in response to what kind of question, but on the dais, I think, at the Las Vegas Bowl after the game, he just said something. In fact, all I can say is just, it's great. It's a lot of fun. It's great to be a student athlete at Oregon State. <laughs> and <clears throat> I just thought that in itself spoke volumes, kind of what you're talking about, Jim, that that that's no accident. It's been fostered by Jonathan himself and Jimmy. Another thing that we can never overlook, 
the continuity of a staff on the same page philosophically and, and the way they recruit. I don't know how much longer. I mean, Jonathan's held this excellent staff together for a long time. How big of a piece of the whole rise has that been, in your opinion? I think it helps. There's no question it, it helps. I mean, if you have a player, like you take uh, uh, Bo Nix, he, he is going to be at Oregon for two years, and he's going to have two different offensive coordinators. And you got guys that all kinds of different, you know, you, you just, if you're constantly switching guys, Washington State, whoever, whoever goes there, you know, or the guy, they, they just had a new offensive coordinator and a new defensive coordinator, and now they're both gone. Mm-hmm. And so it, it just, it's a whole new system. And then is this guy now, do you have to hire a guy that has sort of the same mentality so you don't have to convert your roster? It's just hard. And uh, one, of, one of the things about you said about Jade, just that statement he made, it's, it's a bit of an oddity in college football that the recruiting is a lot done by the players themselves. Mm-hmm. Yes, the colleges contact kids. Then they go out and they, 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 the coaches secure home visits to Oregon State. Well, then when they get to Oregon State, they have hosts, players. And so you're kind of recruiting and hosting your replacement, mm-hmm. basically. It's kind of an odd thing, and nothing sells a program better than players that genuinely like it where they're at, and that's that sells itself, and it's a big part because people thought, well, Corvallis is different and whatever, college town and this and that, homey feel, good culture. Well, the kids, they can, you can talk about it all you want, but if a kid comes on, on a visit and he doesn't feel that, he doesn't sense that, he doesn't get that from the people he's with, then it's all, it's all crap. It doesn't. It's not real. So I, I think that's that. All of that kind of plays into the same thing, and it, that's what has this program kind of trending the way it is. A few more minutes with Jim Wilson, OSU Hall of Famer, on the Joe Beaver Show. Jim, just a quick thought. You mentioned a couple of schools in talking about Oregon State, sort of incidentally, in Oregon and in Washington State. I haven't asked you this yet. We didn't really talk about it on the trip we were just on. What do you make of the Deion Sanders hire at Colorado and almost a different kind of <laughs> approach at same? I'm prime. He keeps talking about I'm here. I'm this. I, I, I. But that's that's prob- why he got hired. So it's a different kind of message and approach out of the gate anyway from Dion compared to how Jonathan Smith says, hey, here, the team's the MVP. I'm not. The team is. What do you make of the Dion hire and what might be possible in Boulder? Well, we'll find out. Uh, I, 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 we said way back when, when uh, Mike Sanford was coming, and we like Mike Sanford Jr. and this now, he's not going to be the next coach. Colorado is going to go for a home run hire. Well, they did, and they, they went a different route. They, they, they went with uh, Prime, mm-hmm. and I think he's going to do well. Yeah. Uh, and I think sometimes your name precedes you. Like when Lincoln Riley walked in at USC, now Lincoln Riley has a fantastic – just an awesome resume, but when he says, you know, jump, kids say how high. Right. They, and, and when he says, we want you out here at USC, they sign up. Mm-hmm. And that's what I think you're going to get at, at Colorado. He's going to, recruiting is going to instantly get better, uh, so the talent level's better. He's going to surround himself with coaches, and he's going to have that cachet. And uh, that, that can be a double-edged sword, but I think in the short term, it's going to be very helpful for Colorado. In that climate, then, with Prime as one of the the people in our league now, 
<laughs> and the different approaches. Here we are now with tomorrow an early signing period beginning and the transfer portal active. Dion himself said, boy, I'm looking into the portal and it's hopping, said Dion, and he's right. Oregon State, tomorrow and going forward, Jim, both with the portal and the signing period, what's your sense of what's happening there what could happen? Well, uh, first, first, I think is the sign. Well, first already is the is the portal is ongoing, but tomorrow yeah. is it, a big day for Oregon State because they've got a lot of guys committed, and I think some other guys that are perhaps may may flip, and so that tomorrow is a big day. But you're gonna, it's gonna be a good day, for Oregon State. Um, I, I believe that, that especially because of the people they already have committed. It's a very attractive list. I, I, it's really good. And uh, then moving forward, uh, the portal it, roster management has become part of college football it, it, coaching. It just it, it more so it always was, but you know you sign your guys and that's that. And uh, now you sign your guys and you got to keep recruiting them every day because they, they, it, it, it's it's the wild west, as Johnny said. Well, and, t- and uh, so roster management's big, and and in this day and age, you're trying to upgrade. Upgraded every position, literally every position you're trying to upgrade. And you may not be able to, but you're always looking. And so that's that's the climate we're at we're in right now that that's why i was a little worried about some of the loose conversation about going into the portal for a quarterback because it's like eh, you know there's guys you want to you want to keep and uh, but you know and then then there's one that's coming in and Aiden Childs and and mm-hmm. so i guess everybody including the coaches have to be careful about saying what you want <laughs> now because you don't want to hurt anybody's feelings well, Johnny, that's why I, I I know where you're headed there. I mean, I know that while well, you mentioned the position you're talking about, but that's why it's just safe to say that you're you're looking to upgrade at every position. Yeah. And uh, for example, like if 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 would the Beavers love to have it if an All-American offensive tackle was uh, uh, available? Sure, they might have to move. Somebody might have to move to guard, mm-hmm. <laughs> but. Here's the thing. Those kids that are out there, they're looking for the best fit. Now, if I was the All-American tackle and I was looking for a fit, Oregon State's not it because they've got both tackles were Pac-12 second-team mm-hmm. honorees. They're, they're both very good football players. And if I want to play, I wanna, I'm want i going to find a school that, that there's, there's an opening there. There's a spot. And if it's up to those kids to decide whether there's a spot. It's not a, it doesn't matter what I think. It doesn't matter what you think. It's up for those kids if they think there's a spot. And if they think there's a spot at quarterback, then then maybe Oregon State's an intriguing spot for them. Yeah. So that's kind of where, 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 where the rubber hits the road is all these guys, there's a bunch of them out there. The Beavers want all the good ones, I guess, you know, that they can, but they, they're looking for fit. And so are the kids that are out there. So that's kind of the jungle that the, the, the portal has put everybody in and and that's the the world of of jonathan smith now and roster management final thing jim and it's it's impossible to get a correct well we'll see in a few years perhaps but the beavers finished 10 and 3 and we'll see where they come in at the final rankings hovering around the top 10 certainly It's a landmark kind of season and yet jim for the first time in a while i feel like it's not necessarily a culmination 
that there may even be more here. And that almost seems grandiose at Oregon State and Corvallis. You're 10 and 3. And if you could do that every year, you'd take it and run forever. But you understand kind of what I'm getting at, Jimmy, that this year it felt like they a play here and there. You're contending to go to Vegas, not just for a bowl game, but for the title. You know what I'm getting at, I guess, Jim, is with the staff and what Jonathan's building, do you see that, hey, there could be bigger things ahead potentially? In the in the pregame show with, with Johnny, one of the things I talked about in the walkthrough segment was you know, the Beavers, in this five-year run with Jonathan Smith, they turned some corners. You know, they, they went, they, they, first they had to do the culture. Then they had to get competitive. Then they had to get players. And then they had to stick to their script. And then they had to get to the point where they're beating teams that they're supposed to beat. Then they started beating teams they're supposed to beat all the time, like this year. Mm-hmm. And then they get, and then there's these still a couple of steps to go. The next step is to... to challenge and win Pac-12 championships. I mean, that's the next step. And so there you go. I mean, that's your answer is challenge and win Pac-12 championships. And then there is a final step after that, and that's stay on top. And that's the hardest one of all. But that is the next step is to challenge and win Pac-12 championships. And, Mike, I'm going to leave you with this. Um, I was going through some of my old paperwork. Boise State. The, the walkthrough I do in, in the beginning. Mm-hmm. So here's the second to last paragraph as, as Ronnie and I are talking. We're going into the year. So we always talk about the season. And Ron asks me, big picture, what kind of season do you expect the Beavers to have? This is heading into this yeah. season. I say it could be special. A chance no one makes the kind of leap from year one mm-hmm. to year two like Jake Luton did, the Beavers will be tough to stop. But on the other side of the ball, I think the improvement is a given. The question for me is how much better will the defense be? The Beavers can have nine or ten win season, but to say it, but to play it safe for the program to stay on an upward trend, they need eight wins, and I think they will get that. Okay, that's what I said mm-hmm. uh, going into the twenty-two season. Now, what am I going to say going into the twenty-three? Because right. you know I'm talking about staying on an upward trend, and so I think the next step, you guys challenge and win the Pac-12 championship. That's that's mm-hmm. where that's what I, that's my expectation heading into wow. the 23 season. Thank you, Jim, so much for everything. Thanks, we'll let Jim. you turn you loose on that. Great to talk to you. See you tomorrow at the basketball game. I hear you coming down, uh, and we look forward to seeing you. Thanks, Jimmy Wilson. We take a break and wrap up the hour. Maybe take it straight up. Who yeah, knows? We'll see. Here we go. Hey, we got to take a break with Eldridge Rickasner speaking of hoops coming up next. 12:40, Joe Radio. All right, wrapping up this hour here, the Joe Beaver Show. Um, fantastic, uh, fun conversations. We've got a lot more to go coming up here uh, in the second hour. Hello, are you ready? Are you ready? It's ready. Yes. Yes, it's ready. The Joe Beaver Show is on the air. Are you ready? Just like Donald Trump, Macho Man. I hope you're ready, brother. Are you ready? Yes, I'm ready, Woodrow. You ready? I was born ready. Ready? No, ready. Play. Ready. I was born ready. Always ready, John. John and Mike are ready with all manner of meaningful dialogue, email, bits and bites, tweets and texts. Oh, I see you take care of both sides of the conversation. For the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world, ladies and gentlemen, it's the Joe Beaver Show. It has never been 
And here we go into the second hour of the Joe Beaver Show. There they go, the play-by-play call from Horse Feathers, Horse. the Marx Brothers, 1932. Was it, it, did they have footage of uh, old guys playing football in there? Well, yeah, they played a football game, and, and Harpo and Chico kind of uh, wreaked havoc on the field in Horse Feathers <laughs> in 32, with Groucho also playing. No face masks? No face masks, and not quite as exciting a moment as we saw uh, with the Raiders finish at Allegiant. Unbelievable. Oh, the next day. Yeah, the very next day in the same stadium we were in. It is uh, the second hour of the Joe Beaver Show. It was a pleasure to see this morning uh, downtown. I was working on uh, today's show. Eldridge Rakasner was getting ready to head down to a shoot-around. He has been pretty much a, a resident of the Beaver State for the past week plus. He will be on the uh, broadcast of Utah Valley in Oregon tonight down the road and then have the Beavers and Denver tomorrow. Eldridge, I hope you uh, have been enjoying your stay in our state. You've been here a while, huh? I have. I feel like a resident now. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're glad we're glad to have you on the show. You've been making the trips back and forth. You saw the Beavers game Thursday against Seattle University. I did not. I was in Vegas with the football team for the Vegas Bowl. Then you had the Beavers again in their victory over Green Bay. So let's just jump right in there. Uh, this is a team coming into tomorrow's game against Denver at 6-6. Six and six. What are you seeing from Wayne's group this year that jumps out at you? I see a young group that, that really seem to enjoy playing together. I think that's the thing that, that sticks out to me the most. They're really young, but they look like they're buying into what the coaching staff it's telling them how they want them to play because I'll tell you against Seattle U, Seattle U had a had a player named Cameron Tyson that came into that game fifth in the country and scoring at just under 24 points a game, and he only had one point with three minutes to go. He ended up with four. So a great scouting job by by Wang and his staff, but more importantly, I think great execution of the game plan by some really young guys. Yeah, and then the Green Bay game, maybe not quite as uh, impressive in the overall picture, but when you're doing what Wayne is doing with a young team that you allude to, getting out of a game with a win is the big thing, right? I don't know what you saw in the Green Bay game, but they had enough. They did enough to win that. What I saw in the Green Bay game, Mike, was Green Bay had lost by 45 to Stanford, right. and I know the players saw it as well. And, and, and if I'm speaking honestly from – experience from my playing days when you see a game like that as a player and you're at a power five school you think oh wow this is going to be an easy one and i think they kind of overlooked them and relaxed a little bit and green bay came out and really gave them a tough game but you know at the end of the day all you want to do is see that w next to the game instead of the l and uh six wins we haven't even started conference play yet everybody that's on listening to your radio show knows oregon state only won three games last season so i should just see a vast improvement but i just think is mainly because the guys are buying in. They seem to really like each other. Before the first game of the year, when I called the Florida a and game, Wayne just seemed really happy on the phone. I can, tell, mm-hmm. I can tell that he was excited about the new young group that he had. Yeah, Eldridge Rakasner joining us here on the Joe Beaver Show. Hi, Eldridge. It's John with Mike. What do you think of Christian Wright's game? Real small sample size, but he was supposed to be the guy to come in and be the starting point guard, but he got hurt over the summer, and he's only got the first couple of games in him. Did you see much out of him that he could be the guy that could really nail down that point guard position? 
I tell you what, John. I thought he, I thought he came in and gave and gave Jordan Pope a good blow. But man, Jordan Pope is off to a great start. You know, two freshmen leading all freshmen in the conference at 14 points a game. I'm not. I don't know what Wayne Tinkle's game plan was, but Jordan Pope definitely threw a wrench in it. <laughs> yeah. Because I can't see him losing his starting job the way he's been playing so far this season. I mean, just he's a kid that can really shoot the ball off the catch and shoot. He shoots it well off the bounce. He can pass. Uh, he makes good decisions. He's averaging, I think, 34 minutes a game, which is pretty much insane, but it's due to the fact that Christian Wright and Justin Lawson were injured. Eldridge Rakasner joining us. Uh, it, it's amazing to me, Eldridge, that, that when you bring up Jordan Pope, and I'm glad you did, that in this day and age it still seems as though other schools, in a sense, can miss on somebody. Now, no disrespect to our own program, but at Oregon State – do you have to find and evaluate those potential stars, find them, get on them early, and then you know maintain a relationship and then bring them in? Now, you also got to find a way to keep them, too, in this day and age. But I'm just wondering about a guy like that with that kind of skill set, not to say that he was overlooked, but he feels like he was because he says, I'm playing with a big chip on my shoulder. He is. You know, he comes from a high-profile AAU program. You know, guys, I, I'm familiar with Oakland Soldiers. They had Aaron Gordon that went to that went to uh, University of Arizona that's in the NBA now, some other big-time guys. So it's not like he didn't get the exposure, but maybe people thought he was he was too small. But I really, I really like the young man's game. You know, I'm excited every time I get a chance to, to watch him play because I was a shooter, and he has a really, really pretty jump shot. Even when he misses, you smile because it still looks good, even though it doesn't go in. Yeah. So Wayne Tinkle and his staff did an outstanding job of pretty much finding a diamond in the rough. Mm-hmm. You know, you touched on it a little bit in this day and age with the with the transfer portal. You got to re-recruit your own guys at the end of every year. But I sure hope I sure hope he hangs around and and and, and stays at Oregon State Beaver because he, he's fun to watch. He's on a great stage in the Pac-12 conference. It's, it's his show right now. You know, you guys mentioned Wayne wanted to start. Christian Wright, but I just I just don't see how that's going to be possible as well as uh, as well as Jordan Pope is playing, uh, as well as Glenn Taylor Jr. is playing, Dexter O'Connell. The perimeter seems to be set, and I just think those other guys are going to have to come off the bench and do their thing as subs. Does this need does this team uh, need someone else down low to maybe be in that double figure category? And would would Reefney be the guy? I've seen him do very well, but then come up with some uh, some single digit and short minute games. You know, Reefney's a you know even though he's six nine, he's more of a perimeter player. The, the, the young man I really like, if you want to talk about interior, is Billado. I mean, I, I see a lot of potential for Billado. You know, and Michael retired as well. I mean, Wayne and them really went out. And got some really good-looking freshmen, and I don't know if all those guys got overlooked or if they just seemed to fit the Oregon State system. But I really like those guys. You know, Rodrigue Andela didn't play last didn't play last night, and I think it's due because they thought they thought, well, you know, we, we should probably win this game. But yeah, Sean Mario, you know, seven foot, whatever he is, long, 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 um, injured his injured his foot or his ankle. But I think they I think they have the pieces. The only thing that I can see. Maybe biting them a little bit is the inexperience of having such a young team. You know, nine new freshmen. Um, that that's tough when you get in the Pac-12 play. But so far, those guys look like they've been here before, and that's the most impressive thing to me.
That is impressive in that they beat Washington and certainly had a good look at beating USC on the road. So already, as you've touched on, Eldridge, it's a far different, better, refreshing kind of feel. And I, I sense the same thing in visiting with Wayne. Last year, as you know, you did enough of our games. There are certain times where a mix just doesn't work. That didn't work. And you can see that Wayne's re-energized, as you've talked about. You know, Mike, and I think you got to do what you do. You know, I mean, if, if you're if you're a coach in a program that brings in young guys and try to develop them, you have to stick what works for you. And I think everybody's excited about this crazy transfer. For I'm just not a fan of it, Mike. I'm, I mean, I'm all for if a kid's not a good fit at some school, not a good personality match with the coach, or his game doesn't fit their system, you transfer. But to have you know over a thousand guys in the transfer portal every single year. I know it's hard for fans to get used to the team. You know, at least for me it is. You know, I went to the UW, and, you know, we we, we get transfer guys. Frank Kepnon, I'm pretty sure you guys are familiar with that played at Oregon. Yes. You know, he, he was a Husky this year. Yeah. It just was strange seeing him in the purple and gold. Mm-hmm. But that's just the area that we're in. And I think, I think Wayne tried it two years ago, and it backfired. And I, just, I think he just said, you know what, I'm just going to stick to my guns and what I do. Mm-hmm. And I really like the, the young players that he's brought in. I, I, I really do. Eldridge, when you were playing and you outscored Gary five out of nine times, <laughs> was he guarding you? <laughs> <laughs> he was guarding me. I had a little game. I don't be saying that like y'all surprised. I won three times all pack 10 yeah. back in the day. But yeah, me and Gary used to go ahead. I got to be honest, I hated him. Yeah. Because he was always yapping, running his head. You know, but he always backed it up. So I, I have the ultimate respect for Gary. Uh, I got to be honest with you guys. Guys were scared of him in the pack in the pack 10 back then. Mm. Guys were scared of him in the NBA. I played against him in the NBA. So I got to take my hat off to Gary and his accomplishments making the basketball Hall of Fame. You know, he talked a lot of talk, but he, but he really did back it up. So I, I was happy to see the type of career that he ended up having. Well, your careers were exactly parallel in that you redshirted your first year in Seattle, correct? And then, so you went four years hard against Gary and against uh, those Oregon State teams. Exactly. When I came in in 85-86, we had a guy named Chris Velk, seven-footer, who was the Pac-10 player of the year. And then my redshirt freshman year, one of your guys, Jose Ortiz, Mm -hmm. ended up winning the the, the Pac-10 player of the year. So me and Gary were both freshmen. We didn't have the green light like a Jordan Pope. I had to get the ball to Chris Belt, and Gary had to get the ball to Jose Ortiz. <laughs> but it's just funny how times change, man. These young kids come in now, and they, and they play no dudes. They can shoot whenever they want. I mean, I couldn't shoot the ball unless they kicked it off. <laughs> I was wide open. <laughs> you know, so times have changed a little bit. But uh, it was fun playing against Oregon State with Eric Knox and Will mm-hmm. Brantley. I mean, I just remember some, some good old times with, you know, Ralph Miller there in Gill Coliseum. And you saw Gill in a time, maybe not quite, I mean, it was rocking with Gary and those teams. And earlier, Eldridge, I mean, I know you grew up in New Orleans and may not have been aware of, of the 80-81 team, the Orange Express that rose to number one in the country. But you know what Gill Coliseum can be. It's a tough environment to play in when it's, when it's hopping, right? Oh, when Ralph Miller was there, it was always hopping. I mean, everybody, players, coaches, commentators, everybody had respect for Ralph Miller, so... It was always a fun place to play. I always remember the rims being soft. I think I always had good games at, at Oregon State. But, of course, you know, when you're playing against your, your nemesis and the next top guard in the league, you're going to always be up for that if you're a competitor. And I was definitely a competitor. You know, like I said, me and Gary would just we, – we would go at it all the time. When I was senior, I think we almost got into a fight <laughs> at Washington because – 
he didn't want to shake my hand after the captain's meeting. You know, I was the captain of the Huskies, and he was the captain of the Beavers, and I stuck my hand out to shake his hand. <laughs> he just kind of looked at me with that smile on his face like he always <laughs> had. I said, all right, buddy, that's okay. You know, we still got to play the game. But just, just great memories, and uh, that's what I love. I just love the competition, man. You know, when you went up against the, the top teams and the top players, you really, you really wanted to be on your A game, and a lot of the time I was fortunate enough to play well against Gary. Eldridge Rakasner with us for a few more minutes. He'll have the call tomorrow night when the Beavers host Denver at Gill Coliseum. One last thing on Gary and your relationship with him subsequently, I guess. All of those battles on the court, the yapping, the near fight. Have you have you had kind of a, any kind of post-career battles against him relationship, and what's that like? No, our relationship is great now. You know, Gary comes to Seattle a lot. He does a lot of jersey signings and different stuff in the Seattle area. And we had a there, there's a there's a there's a guy who owns a few restaurants in Seattle named John Howie and I think Gary was an investor in one of his restaurants. It's not open anymore but it used to be called Sport. It was in the it was in the Seattle Center type of area and uh he, he put on a fundraiser that called that was called the Kick Hunger Classic and he would bring in a lot of celebrities to raise money with a poker game. And uh, the last time I saw Gary was right before the pandemic. You know, we, we had a long talk. And, you know, he finally gave me some credit as a player, but he told me back when we were playing against each other, he couldn't do that because he wanted to keep it there. <laughs> so I thought that was pretty funny. But, uh, you know, we get along great. You know, we have a lot of respect for each other. Like I said, you know, I, I called a few of his son's games when he was at Oregon State. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I try to support Gary. I haven't had a chance to catch him as a coach for the new school that he's coaching now in the Oakland area. But when I do – I'm going to try to go out and support him. And GP too. I what a what a tremendous story he's been, huh, Eldridge? I don't know. He and he, you saw him for two years at Oregon State. I don't know when you did. If you felt like, hey, there's a there's a guy that can be a, a big role player for a championship team. But what are your thoughts about GP 2s game? Well, he was just fantastic. But the strange thing is, completely opposite from Gary. Yeah, doesn't talk any smack. Just goes out there and plays the game. He's a much better athlete than his dad because that that guy is six foot three, but he jumps out of the gym. Yep. I think one of the games I had, I believe he had twenty rebounds from a guard position. <laughs> I mean, it was just it was just amazing. So left-handed, not a jump shooter, but just a fantastic defensive player like his dad. Obviously, he won Pac twelve defensive player of the year like his dad won Pac ten defensive player of the year. So it seems like a really nice young man. I don't really know GP two that well. But I've seen him play, and I, I was really happy that he had a chance to come back last year in the finals and play and, and get a nice contract because he really earned it. In this, in this era where guys are just giving money, GP2 went yeah. out there, and he, he really earned the contract that he got. Yeah, uh, well yeah. said. Eldridge, last thing, and it's a little bit, it's impossible to cover your professional career after your three-time All-Pac-10 career at Washington for Andy Russo in one year with Lynn Nance, but a professional career that took you to the CBA and Europe the Philippines, the NBA, where you got some run with Denver, Houston, Atlanta, Charlotte, the Clippers. So that's a great career playing the game. In all of those stops along the way, including the Philippines, what what kind of what was that all like? The Philippines, in particular, to play pro ball there. You know, I filled in for for one of my friends. I had a friend named Joey Wright. If you if you guys got some diehard basketball fans that follow college basketball back in the, in the in the late 80s. Joey Wright played for Tom Penders at Texas. It was him, Lance Blanks, and another guy. Uh, what was the other guy? Lance Blanks, Joey Wright, and they had one more guy. All three of them got drafted. Well, Joey was down there playing, 
he got injured, told the team about me, and they were playing pretty good, pretty good money. So I said, well, hey, I'm not doing anything else right now. I'll go down there. But you guys, when I tell you it was hot, it was hotter than hell down there. <laughs> I think I lost 10 pounds in one week. <laughs> here's the funny part, Mike and John. I scored 48 points my first game there, and they were looking at me like they were disappointed. I had 48 points and 17 rebounds, and it was like, they were calling me a bust. And I was oh like, I've wow. never scored 48 points in my life. But man, so the Philippines was a, was a completely different experience. They love basketball. They had 16 teams in the league. 14 of them were in Manila, and they would literally sell out 16,000, 18,000 fans every single game. But they had, like, quadruple headers because there was only one arena in Manila where everybody <laughs> played. But uh, just fond memories, you know, but I, 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 don't, I don't miss that heat that was down no, there I bet. at all. Hey, Eldridge, I heard and read that Billy Ray Bates, a former Portland Trailblazer phenom for a couple of years, was a guy, kind of a legend and a hero in the Philippines. Did you run across that at all, the Billy Ray Bates memories or not? Oh, yeah. I didn't play against him, but but he was a complete legend down there. That's, that's, that's all they talked about was Billy Ray Bates, and then they had a Filipino guy named Ron Jaworski. They called him the Filipino Michael Jordan. <laughs> <laughs> Both of those guys were, 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 like, were like living legends and gods down there because hmm. I don't know if you guys are aware, but they love basketball down there. As soon mm-hmm. as I got off the plane, everybody knew who I was. My name was on My picture was all over the newspaper. Hmm. I mean, you would, see, you would see people outside 10 o'clock at night playing basketball, barefoot and flip-flops. I mean, they really love the game of basketball down there in the Philippines, and it, 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 was, it was a different experience for, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry that you disappointed them so much with your 48-point, 17-rebound game. <laughs> yeah, how about that? I was shocked. They told me I was a bust. I was like, wow. <laughs> hey, Eldridge, there's so many other things uh, that we'll love to talk to you about the next time. Look forward to seeing you tomorrow night at Gill Coliseum again. Thank you for making time for us on the show, and I hope we can do it again down the road. Thank you guys for having me at any time, Mike and John. You guys have a great day. Thanks Thank a lot, you. Eldridge. Boy, what a That's nice great. guy. I know. I know. <laughs> Good great. stuff. I just saw a text that was a yeah. question for him, and I didn't oh. see it until it was too late. Okay, glad that uh, the Billy Ray Bates thing is true. I yeah. had read that he was an absolute legend there, and Billy Ray Bates was a legend here for a brief time. Hey, as we go to break, we have open phones the rest of the way. Text lines, phone lines. What was the question, by the way, for Eldridge? To ask him about I, a car accident that he was in oh, yeah. with Derek Coleman and how yeah. that affected his it career. It did affect his career. I've re- I read about that. I didn't want to bring that up on the air until I'd sort of vetted it uh-huh. off the air. I mean, even though that's that's documented. He did well, have a serious I, accident with Derek Coleman. I don't know who. I don't know the circumstances of it, but he was never, according to the article I read, ever yeah. quite the same yeah. again. But uh, we have open phones. Your thoughts on Beaver football and the season that was and what's ahead and your sense of expectation and excitement about the portal world and tomorrow's signing class. 497-5356, 497-5356. Open phones and text lines down the stretch today on 1240 Joe Radio. Lose. I shot a, a basket from half court, shot a ball. Oh, I called hit, out of the stands. I, I hit the rim, yeah. Nice job. Open phones down the stretch with text lines. Uh, anything on the text line, Johnny, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll get to it. But we've got Rod and Sue on the Downward Dog phone lines. Rod, first up, Sue on deck. Really enjoyed the conversation. with the. I like the energy, the yeah. upbeat, funny stories, high energy, excitement about yeah. the young team that Wayne has and really likes Jordan Pope. And I've got to tell you, the first thing, 
he said to me when I saw him this morning. Yeah. Well, I didn't want to start with the first thing, but I see Eldridge at a local coffee place downtown, and he walks up and says, hey, Mike, I really like Jordan Pope. I hope you guys can keep him. I mean, that's the first <laughs> thing. It's a little bit like well, that's a new world yeah, world. yeah. during the course of uh, the football season, a couple of national guys weeks ago, yeah. I'd be on their show. Are you guys going to be able to keep Damian Martinez? You know, I, <laughs> I mean, it's not as though I'm naive to, oh, hey, we've got the best culture in America and no one will ever leave us. I mean, right. I'm not naive enough to think that there can't be certain things out there and tampering and poaching and all that I right. know goes on. Right. I feel good about how da- the demeanor and stance of Damien's taken as we move into open phones. But again, you hope that what you do build in vetting recruits and, and that you get into a good place in your own world with respect to the collectives where mm-hmm. you can have the right kind of relationship and so on to, to build real and legitimate things that are competitive in nature. And I think that's happening. But it's funny to me, on the outside, those are the first questions people say. I know. Oh, you've got a good player. I hope you can keep him, whereas I'm just assuming we can, yeah, because, and maybe I shouldn't. Eh, well, it's, so, it's such a new phenomenon. Right. Let's go to Rod on the Downward Dog phone line. Good afternoon, Rod. Hey, Mike and John. Yeah, I was really glad on to see on Twitter that Damien said, hey, I found my home, and, mm-hmm. and I'm staying. That that really made made my whole weekend. Uh, also making my weekend is I was listening to you guys in Maui, uh, sitting poolside. Uh, so great job, by the way, on the sidelines there, John Warren. Sounded oh, great. Uh, and Mike, of course, always sounds great. But uh, loving listening to the Vegas Bulls from 2,700 miles away because I was there to uh, follow our women's hoop yes. team. Yes. And apologies if you guys have already talked about this. I just landed uh, in the middle of the night uh, this, this morning. Uh, but if you haven't talked about Talia Von Ohoffen and her 41 points Saturday, what a performance on 17 of 20 shooting. That's it unbelievable. Was, hey. It was unbelievable. Yeah. And it reminded me of the dominance of Gary Payton. I'm that old. That's when I was going to school at Oregon State is during the Payton years. And uh, no one has dominated a game that I've seen in women's hoops. I mean, maybe Sabrina Unescu with as good as she was with Oregon, but... Talia was on fire Saturday night, and it was awesome to be there, sitting right behind her family. Uh, she had extra family because she got Hawaiian ties, and it was just just an awesome experience. I'm glad. And, uh, yeah, Rod, let me yeah. let me interrupt you for a second on that, because sure. I'm glad you've called to give us a little sense. You saw it firsthand. I didn't get to hear uh, or see or anything other than knowing she scored 41 and that she was 17 of 20. So can you tell me a little bit, just as an eyewitness to that epic-type performance, where the shots and the points were coming from? All manner, threes, drives? I mean, what did you see? All all manner. I mean, she hit threes. She hit the drives. Uh, We literally were talking as as we were uh, sitting there watching it happen. I didn't think she – they were all nets. Like, with just a couple of exceptions, she never even hit the rim. <laughs> she was that good that day, that on. That's right. And it was, it was a sight to behold. And, man, she is, if, 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 if your listeners haven't hit women's hoops, man, get to Gill, because they are so exciting to watch. And Kalia Von Ohoffen, she alone is worth the price of admission. Mm-hmm. And the whole team is great, of course, and deserving of your support. 
Um, but, wow, Talia, what a player. And we've got her for, uh, hopefully, you never know, uh, but hopefully for a few more years because uh, she's going to be great. Yeah, I love her and love the fact that during yeah. during some kind of portal frenzy a year ago, almost akin to Damien in the sense of she went on, hey, I'm here. I'm staying. I'm yeah. glad to be here. That type of thing reminded yep. me a little bit a year ago with Talia at the end of the basketball season, a little bit along yeah. the lines of what Damien just stated on Twitter. It, it gives you a good feeling. It does. Hey, and uh, with Elder Kasner talking about Gary Payton, I wanted to mention this. Again, for women's hoops fans, uh, LSU, who frankly boat raced this yeah. second game, that, yeah. was, that was not I mean, we were with him for a quarter, but the reason the reason we got beat was there's a player named Angel Reese, and I'm telling you, she feels like Gary Payton. Mm. She she was clapping in people's faces, talking, showboating, mm. playing to the crowd. Mm. I mean, she's the kind of player that you would love if she were on your team, and you hate yeah. when yeah. she's not on your team right. because she's so good and so into the game, but. Uh, man, if you, if you haven't watched LSU and Angel Reese play, uh, she's, well, to give you an idea, Talia Von Alhaven scores 41 points, yeah. and she's not the best player of the weekend. Right. I mean, that's right. how good Angel Reese is. But, Rod, so. I, let me ask you, in that first half, especially in the second quarter when LSU pulled away, Oregon State was hit with three players with three fouls. What was your reaction to those calls? Uh well, I couldn't really argue the calls. I okay. frankly, I'm never the guy who complains about the calls. Okay. Um, I I can't recall if if any of them were. I mean, Kim Mulkey, of course, uh, love to hate her as well. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, she's never they, her team's never fouled anybody. No, they she haven't. Outraged at every call. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, it's kind of entertaining to see her just blow up. <laughs> Good news is she kept all her clothes on. She's notorious for like ripping off her blazer. And yeah. Throw- Throwing it in the stands, but she uh, she kept everything together. But uh, it was it was you know it was it was just a great experience, and and I it was my first time going to Maui with the team um, uh, to support them, and and it was just it was super. Aside from the rain, it rained virtually all mm. day on Sunday, mm. which was a disappointment, but. Uh, had a great time and, you know, super to support the team. Rod, thank you so much for the call. And you follow Eldridge as a guest with high energy. Love it. Thank you for sharing your firsthand eyewitness account of Talia's amazing game. There is a lot of good hoops ahead for the OSU women's basketball team and the men, too, trying to win their third in a row tomorrow night against Denver. Thanks for making time for the call, Rod. And glad to know you were listening poolside Saturday uh, in Maui for the Beavers' victory in the bowl game. Thanks for taking time to call us. You bet. Go Beavs. Well, that's a nice call, and we've got another one. I, I hope. I don't know. I mean, we know a few Sues here and there in life, but I'm just going to ask boldly, is this Sue Porman? Yes, it is, hey, Mike. Hey, Sue, great to hear from you again. We have been talking on and off the radio since the early 90s. And we, when some of those conversations were in times, Sue, on the old sports radio days, 1520 KFXX, yep. when you were yep. calling yep. to represent the Orange and Black and the Beeves, I was in a little different place, but I, I hope you know that I always respected Oregon State, liked Oregon State in those days, and you and Dave Endress and others who, and uh, John Weaver and people who would call and talk about the Beeves. I always uh, enjoyed those conversations. Ooh. 
And I guess uh, she hasn't forgiven me. <laughs> she hung up yeah, on she's you. She just uh, hung up on me. Nah. I'll tell you what, Johnny, on that note, let's take a quick break and wait for Sue Porman to come back. She'll call back. She'll call back, I hope. And if not, I think I have her number in my system. But something about the season, we don't hear from her often in Portland, but she must listen to the, the stream of the show. There she is again. We'll we'll keep it here and then take the break. If indeed this is Sue calling us back on the downward dog phone line, I don't know what happened, but we'll get to it then. So all all of that to say, sorry we lost you, but glad you're. Thanks for calling us again. Those conversations. Yeah, well, I, all I can say yeah. about those days is I'm glad we finally flipped you. <laughs> hey, I am so glad to be where I am and have been for 24 years, and grateful to you and others for. For, for allowing me to come into your world. But I think back to those conversations, Sue, in those early days in the 90s and think about what we're about to talk about now. It's pretty fun, isn't it? It really is. It really is. I mean, lived through the, the bad days, and then they got good again, mm-hmm. and then they got, stayed good for a while, and then they got really bad again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, now we're on a great roll. Uh, I, I just wanted to comment on a couple of encounters um, I had with a couple of our players after the game. Um, we took our whole family, well, 14 of us, to Vegas. Mm-hmm. Uh, our boys, their spouses, all of our grandchildren, their spouses and significant others, and even our six-year-old granddaughter, or great-granddaughter. Nice. Um, and after the game, we had a big celebratory dinner at a fabulous Italian restaurant that happened to be across the street from the Virgin uh, the hotel where the team was staying. So after the game, we decided to wander over there and see if we might bump into a couple of players. And my 32-year-old granddaughter had been had learned how to play craps a couple of days earlier, and she thought she'd give that another shot. <laughs> and um, and so gathered around one of the crap tables was a bunch of players, and uh, one of whom uh, was Jebbia. So I I went up to him and and you know, thank him for all he'd done and, and stick to it and this. And, and uh, he, he, was, he said, I would never have done it any other way. I'll be a beaver all my life. Um, you know, he, he was just darling. And um, <clears throat> there were a couple of other guys that I uh, recognized, but I didn't say anything to. And then my husband and I walked over and sat just close to the table where the kids were and sat down, and all of a sudden, here comes a guy, and I wasn't quite sure who it was, and he, he walks over, and he introduces himself to us, and says, hi, I'm Andrew Chatfield, and um, I recognize you, pointing to me, from some meetings that I've been in, he said, I'm an intern for our Beaver Nation, hmm. which I thought was just fabulous, yeah. Yeah. and uh, it, it was so darling of him to walk over there, I'll introduce himself, and uh, that kid's going somewhere. Yeah, no, he Sue. I I talked to him on the field and a little bit after uh, doing the interview on the air, and and just a nice kid, great player, and just happy. Just he loved everything about the whole experience, and you could just you could just feel it. Yeah, well, I, I'm I'm glad that our Beaver Nation has you know got him over there as an intern. Yeah. Um, he'll be very helpful. Hey, Sue, speaking of, of our Beaver Nation and speaking of the climate and the world we're in, how are things? And what are you, what are you sensing? Jonathan used the word frequently in the postgame. We've got momentum. We want to keep it rolling. There's momentum here. 
do you, are you feeling that in, in the world you're in, in that space in our Beaver Nation? Oh, absolutely. And, you know, one thing about our Beaver Nation, I mean, I've, you know, I've been on what we used to call the Beaver Club board and, and all that, and where it was mostly a sit and listen to what the, to what the uh, AD, you know, told us about it. And it wasn't really an active board. The board now is unbelievable. I mean, there are... I mean, the seating and parking, for one thing. I mean, there's a committee that had to handle how to move all those people right. from the old side, you know, across. Mm-hmm. And um, and that was done by one of the committees on RV Renation, you know, with some help by, you know, administrators. But um, it's just a very, very active board and very impressive people on it. And and yes, the momentum. Everybody feels the momentum. Everybody feels, you know, what a class guy Jonathan is. And you know, when when he was hired, it was a feel good deal. And and uh, but you never, you know, really knew, you know, how good it was going to turn out. And uh, obviously, um, Scott Bond made a great hire. And and um, you know, it, it, I think. You know, I think like like you and Jim Wilson were saying, uh, you know, we've got a shot at the pack. Yeah. Pack ten. Yeah. Championship next year, right? What and the Pac-10 is is correct. <laughs> Not quite yet. One yeah. more year of the twelve, but but Sue, yeah. final thing, and and thank you for calling and sharing those experiences with us. But I remember in those days as we kind of worked through uh, the Jerry Pettibone era, somewhat on the air together, then the hiring of Mike Riley, and uh, Mike did a tremendous job, and and then Dennis Erickson. We we we've talked about all of that and, and experienced those eras together. In a sense, and you've always you've got strong football acumen. Would always call the coaches when they would be on with me or elsewhere with a a strategic question or a football proper question. What has impressed you the most just about the pure football that Jonathan has installed on both sides of the ball in getting to a ten win level? Well, I, you know, I think the way he had to adjust this year. From- mm-hmm. You know, I, I know they would rather have a, more of a wide-open offense. They, you know, mm-hmm. they'd rather have to run the ball, pass the ball, yeah. maybe 50-50. Um, but, you know, when we just didn't have the quarterback to have, especially when chance went down, to, you know, have the confidence to have him throw the ball 50% of the time. Plus, we had such a great offensive line and talented running backs that, you know, they adjusted to that. And... Thank God for Trent Gray. I mean, we've got a yep. phenomenal defense. Uh, I mean, they, they just suffocated Florida. <laughs> I mean, and it, you know, the one thing that you saw that in the years past we, we didn't have is the speed. I mean, they go wide and you think, okay, SEC, they're going yeah. they're going wide on us. Boom, we just clobber them. Yes. That was beautiful. It was beautiful. It reminded me of the Fiesta Bowl game, So, in terms yeah, of yeah. a blue blood program trying to get outside against the Beavers on, on New Year's night in Tempe. They couldn't, and Florida couldn't either. That first play almost told me everything yeah. I needed to see. A loss of a couple on a sweep left. The Beavers gang-tackled that guy, and, and the, the route, in a sense, I felt was almost on from play one. Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. I think Jonathan, uh, he knows how to do what needs to be done with the people that he's got. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. He knows how to adjust. Yeah. And, uh, 
you know, I think next year we'll be in a better position to open it up a little bit yep. more. Uh, hey, Sue, it's great to hear from you. All these years, it's been uh, a lot of fun, and I look forward to more of them. Thanks for making the call. Keep up the great work with our Beaver Nation and everything you've done for Beaver Nation through the years, and I'm glad you and your family had a great experience down there. Thanks for taking time to call. Thank you, Sue. Good talking to you. Sue Porman, a legend in uh, Oregon State fan history without question, one of the great ambassadors for the program. We have a, a break, our last one. If there's anything on the text line, we'll get to it. If you'd like to call us in the last few minutes, open phones at 497-5356. Are any of you back from Las Vegas and weren't able to call us yesterday to share your thoughts about your bowl experience and your thoughts on the season? It's, uh, it's a topic just as 38-34 will come up often in a 10-3 and season, and this bowl win 30-3. We'll be talking about it for a long time. So if you haven't had a chance to share your thoughts, please do now and the rest of the week right here on 1240 Joe Radio. <laughs> okay. What did I tell? Oh, Dan. Dan, is Dan uh, in yeah. Beaverton as we head down the stretch of the Joe Beaver Show for today. A feel-good kind of week after Jim used that phrase, a feel-good season, even with the Oh, if only the oh, yeah. if only well, that. The if only can, but can the be problem with that Stanford. is Stanford and even Fresno State to yeah, an extent. Yeah. But Stanford, oh yeah. my goodness, twenty-four to ten, go into the fourth. Yeah, but if you put that game at the end of the year, you beat them by about fifty. <sighs> yeah. That's the thing. It's what Stanford. That's why I I say it every year. I've said it my whole life. You have to play every game every week like it's the Super Bowl or the Rose Bowl because it's. Well, for a while, every it was game is eighteen percent yeah. of your season, and every game is hard to win. And it's hard, to win, hard games. to win. Troy Taylor, that's an interesting hire for Stanford. We'll see. We'll oh see. yeah, yeah. No, no, not worried. Not I know worried. you're not. No, <laughs> I'm always wrong on that. You're but... worried about the hire in Boulder, though, a little, aren't you? I think no, we all. Not at all. I, I think the bravado, unless he gets just five stars. Well, he may, though. all of this, it's all about me. He may. Because the whole it's all about me show may have worked uh, at Jackson State, but how's that going to no, hold on? I don't know. It, it, it's going to be, it'll be curious. It'll be, it'll be very curious. And then the way, now here's another thing. He's going to have to find guys that are old school minded because the idea of you have to work for everything. And if you, you know, we expect you, we're going to try and run you off all that. That's old school. Yeah, we'll see. Four nine seven five three five six. I I agree with Jim that Colorado did did a good job to get him uh, and to lure him away. We'll see how it plays out. In the meantime, let's go to Dan and Beaverton on the Joe Beaver Show. Hello, Dan. Hey, Mike. I couldn't help but follow up uh, with Sue. I ran into them at the Thursday night uh, reception, and they were just incredible. She's she is just a special lady. Yes, and she is. I couldn't agree with her more about. And I think I called in a couple of days ago telling you about Chatfield, what a nice young man he mm-hmm. is. And I think uh, Jack and Jaden are going to pass the torch on to him and mm-hmm. Damien Martinez, and I think we're in great hands. It's a good point. And I, like I said, I just can't say enough about what a great experience it was for Beaver Nation. And I think I'll just leave it at that. Just feeling good coming back from Vegas worth every penny. Glad you went, Dan, and thank you for sharing those thoughts with us, and glad you followed Sue, indeed a true legend, Sue Porman, her husband, Ken, and the family, the whole family, and taking, I think she said, the entourage 
was 14, including a great-great-grandson. That's sweet. To me, that would be a That's the dream beauty. come true. That's the beauty of getting involved in this whole college football world and sometimes insanity. Now, you know, just that it's not. These are strong generational, long generational yeah. ties. Yeah. Speaking of which, we'll, we'll venture into this tomorrow and as the week goes because the— the phenomenon of recency is such a, well, what's the greatest Oregon State season ever? And people are t- be talking about that because this season got you into the, well, let's think about it. Depends on how old you are. Well, right. And so this generate, we're hoping to hear from longtime Beaver fans who would talk about other teams and seasons. I keep offering 1939, which was a great year for a lot of things. Except you need a time machine to go back and yeah. feel that one. But 39, not a great year on the world stage, you know, with the, the beginnings of the second great conflict that year. But in terms of you know, pop culture in the year 39, I mean, if Mice and Men comes out in 39 uh, and Gone with the Wind uh, and, uh, <laughs> the, and the Marks and W.C. Fields is You Can't Cheat an Honest Man, 39 is a big year. What did the Beavers do in 39? 9-1-1. and one. Did they go to the Rose Bowl? No, they didn't. Their loss to USC, I think, kept them out of that. USC beat the Beavers, their only loss, and the tie was to UCLA. But I want to hear from longtime Beaver fans about the best years in the program's history. And this past season has sort of engendered the conversation. It's not the best, but it gets you thinking about it because it was such a good year. Let's go to Jim on the Joe Beaver Show. Hello, Jim. Hey, Mike and John. Um, I just we were down at the game and got back yesterday, so I don't know if anyone mentioned uh, the Friday night uh, foundation event. No, that the OSU Foundation put on down there. One person did, yes, but I didn't get to attend that. What What did you think of it? It was great. It was uh, Juliana. Um, my wife is on the board with the uh, dugout club, and so she's met her through the foundation, Juliana Bahunin put it on. I, I believe most of the work was her, although the whole foundation did it. And mm-hmm. just a great group. We're right there at the Paris um, balcony. So you're looking right out on the strip and uh, really well attended. So lots of friends I hadn't seen in a long time. And uh, I just I had to give some real kudos to the effort because it, it, there's a lot of time and effort that went yeah. into it. And it was first class. I heard that from a number of people, Jim, who had just a tremendous experience there. Jim, I have a question for yeah. you, uh, and and you're sure. you're the first person I've asked this, uh, except for Scott Barnes. I was trying to guess fifteen thousand. How many Beaver fans do you think were there uh, at the game itself? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I would say fifteen to twenty. Okay. We were kind yeah. of doing the same thing, kind of doing the same math, looking up and down the sidelines, and. I'd say 15 to 20. I, I thought it was very well attended. I thought, you know, my first thought as we walk in, well, we were there early anyway. It doesn't matter. Once the place filled up uh, as much as it was going to, I was I was uh, looking down there thinking, I'll bet the guys at the Holiday Bowl are wondering what they did here because uh, th- th- we had a great showing down there as far as Beaver Nation goes. You know, the, as much as, and I was sort of lamenting in a little bit, the, you know, are we ever going to see that bowl game? Now you almost hope you're so good you play yourself out of even that, too. But, but I do think the Holiday Bowl people who had the chance <laughs> to take Oregon yeah. State, they, you're right. They might be saying, well, we might have made a, a – not that 
you know, the team that's going down there from the conference travels well. They mm-hmm. they do have a good and loyal fan base, too. There's no question about it. But they have been there a couple of other times, maybe three now. And they look at, just as Florida, you know, being who Florida is at 6-6, six and six, the Vegas Bowl was not necessarily viewed, even though it was a long trip west, their longest since 1989 in the Freedom Bowl when Washington held Emmett Smith to 17 yards on 17 carries, <laughs> a lot like the Beaver defense bottled up those good running backs for Florida in this one. The Fl- Florida fans certainly did not look at the, the Vegas Bowl as a grand destination in terms of their storied postseason history. But I'm sure the Vegas Bowl people are a little disappointed in the Florida turnout. And I have a feeling that the folks from down the road may not attend the Holiday Bowl quite in the same numbers that Beaver Nation just did in Vegas. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Yeah. I think they're, you know, they're kind of coming off a, a, yeah. a defeat. Yeah, that they, I mean, that's a, that was a hard to swallow defeat sure. for those guys. So. Sure. Um, but but the, it, your point earlier, Mike, that, the first play from scrimmage that Florida ran and, mm-hmm. and how it was reminiscent of the Fiesta Bowl, I, I completely agree. I was almost relieved because I did take a chance and, and bet the Beavers were having to lay eight points. And, <laughs> and, you know, I'm standing there thinking, okay, eight points. We, could, we can win by ten. I'm not worried about that. But then you don't know until the no. first snap, right? And then they come around. They couldn't handle our speed around the edge. And I thought, okay, yeah. all right, we're all right. Not only the so, speed... The only thing that that I honestly came away, although Jack Miller the third's okay, Jim Wilson said, "Hey, there's something here. The guy, the guy was quick. He used his legs well. He made some good throws. The Beavers were just better, and and an inexperienced guy against that defense is probably not going to have a great day. I think he's going to be a decent quarterback, but the one thing that did impress me, and we've talked about it a few times here and there, Jim." Those guys hit. The the DBs in particular, they laid the wood. I mean, those were some of the more physical hits I've seen. In fact, this year, no team hit harder against the Beavers, at least from the secondary, than those guys hit. Yeah, they and their their kids were big. I yeah. mean, they just they looked impressive. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, but you know what Trent has done is just nothing short of miraculous. And the other thing I wanted to mention was, you know, you're walking into that game and people say, what do you think? What do you think? And I said, you know, a lot of this is going to pivot on our quarterback play. Um, you know, you're wearing Beaver stuff around and you walk into a sports book and five or six guys who don't know the Beavers from the Ducks are asking you, are you, are you guys going to be able to beat Florida? Can you cover yeah. eight points? Right, all right. So you're standing there going, hey, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. Don't pin don't it all on what, yeah, what right. I say, but right. it's going to pivot a lot of it's going to pivot on how well our quarterback can handle it. And uh, he was, he was absolutely great. He was yes. nice. Uh, it was very well, it, it was very calming to watch him go to work. Yeah. He did a solid, very solid job and his probably his best overall game. Jim, great to talk to you. Thanks for making the call and the kudos to the alumni association so, for the Fremont street experience. Didn't, and didn't ask Jim, but yeah. uh, the over under had to have gone way. Under, I don't know what it was. I never that, saw. I mean, you, no one was scoring at all. It was way down there. I've the, asked uh, P- TJ what that number was. The one thing that, uh, you know, the, the, the people, he doesn't know the Beavers from the Ducks, uh, the guy yeah. walking up to him in the sports book, tra- ready to make a play. Can you guys cover the eight and a half? <laughs> you know, I mean, everybody's always seeking. And down there, it's just an incredible scene yeah, to watch yeah. those sports books. I heard a guy on Dan Patrick yesterday, the good and the bad, Patrick does a feature. 
the good and the bad, you know, the good or the the best and the worst, I think, maybe. What yeah. was the best or the worst of the weekend? And callers call in and offer uh-huh. Patrick that. One guy, well, the worst, my Florida Gators. Here's what he said. Here's what he said. My Florida Gators just getting destroyed in the Las Vegas Bowl, 33-3 to by Washington State. No. Yes. And, and Patrick o- no, and Patrick offered no, hey, you mean Oregon State now, my Beavers. Patrick at one time adopted yeah. the Beavers after the Thursday night win by Quiz. No correction over that. And I still think on, on a certain level on those national shows, Patrick heard that. Oh, did they play Washington He probably State? didn't even Yeah, know. I didn't even register with him. That's, That's a little bad. disappointing. And there was another thing floating around on Twitter, and it was some national outfit that called the Oregon State Ducks. <laughs> Well, we know. We know 38-34, and we know 30-3 and who the Beavers are. Thanks for joining us today. We'll see you again tomorrow.